0: Okay, so we are up to Unit 5 of The Gospel is the Power. Unit 5 is Power Against the Powers. And you might be saying what are the powers and why do I need power against them? Well, if you haven't noticed, the whole world is going in a horrible, terrible, no good, very wicked way. Um, the whole world is actually under the power of the evil one, under the power of Satan and Satan's delegates, um, the demonic forces of evil and wickedness that are moving people to do sinful and wicked things that are abominations to God and in rebellion against God. You know, God created the world and he is sovereign over the world, but he gave people free will. And most people are functioning in that free will to do some really pretty terrible things. Now, the great part of that is once you get real clear on that point, it's a big relief because you stop expecting people to do things differently than they do. It stops being such a shock when the whole world is in such disarray and chaos and, and wars and, you know, evil and violence. You know, when you understand that the pow- the world is under the power of the powers of the evil one, uh, you know things just kind of start to make a lot more sense. And the beauty of it is, and we will get into this. We need to understand what the powers are, but that Jesus redeemed us from the power of the powers. Amen. Woohoo. That's like awesome news. But I've never heard people really dig into teaching on the power. So you may not have heard this before. We're going to take our time. This will probably be the longest unit in the course because I want to make sure that you understand biblically, scripturally, where the background of these powers comes from. Because you know, the truth, Jesus even said, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. Once we unpack and once you see clearly from the word of God for yourself how these powers have influence over people and may, even if you're a believer, if If these things have not been uncovered to you or revealed to you yet, we've talked about that. Things are, they have to be revealed. If these things have not been revealed to you yet, you might still be functioning in unknowing subjection to some of the powers. But by knowing what they are and how they work and how Jesus set you free from them, you have power through the gospel against the powers of the evil one. Hallelujah. This is great news. I'm so excited. So let's jump in in your study guides. We are at unit 5 and the 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 primary scripture for unit 5 is from Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Wow, that's a handful. Okay, so but those are the powers, the rulers, the authorities, the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. That's what we're going to dig into in unit five. So let's dig in. We're at point A. Point A is Satan's rebellion before the creation of the world. Hallelujah. So Satan, we it's very easy. You go to the garden, you picture the Garden of Eden in your mind. You know, Satan is a serpent. But let's go back a little bit further than that. Um, so it, we're actually, it, we're taking something that is not before the garden, but we're going to learn something about Satan and the evil one and about even serpents by looking at a passage from Isaiah that might even be familiar to you, but I, I don't know if you've heard this part of it before. So in Isaiah 6, many people have talked about this. The Isaiah has a vision of the Lord in the year that King Uzziah died. Isaiah. Isaiah had a vision of the Lord, and the Lord was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Beautiful, wonderful Jesus. So, this is what Isaiah is seeing. But we're going to pick up at Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 2. So, the following verse Above him, meaning the Lord, stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two, he covered his face. With two, he covered his feet. With two, he flew. So this is a seraphim, and he's using his wings to cover his face and his feet, and two wings he uses actually to fly in the way that we would typically think. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts or Lord God Almighty, depending on your translation. The whole earth is full of of his glory. This is what the seraphim are doing around the throne of God day and night. They are worshiping, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And if you know your Bible from the book of Revelation, this is what all of heaven is singing forever. This is the same song that when we are in heaven with the Lord, when we are in the world to come, we are going to be worshiping, saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. We will also be saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain, but Isaiah didn't know about that yet, so we've got to stay focused. Okay, so the next thing in your study guide is a definition of what a seraphim is. You know, it's sometimes interesting when you're reading along in your Bible, and it's been translated into your language. I know we have people listening from all over the world, but it's been translated into your language, and then all of a sudden you have a word like seraphim seraphim that hasn't been translated. And you're like, why didn't they just translate this into what it is? Why did they leave it in this kind of, you know, Hebrew type format? Well, we're about to find out because you might think it was really strange uh, if you heard what it actually translate as. A seraphim is a serpent. by definition a seraphim is a serpent actually it's a fiery serpent a poisonous serpent you know it's this is what a seraph is it is a majestic being with six wings human hands and voices that uh, it, that lives its life in attendance to god so Satan, as a seraphim, his name was originally Lucifer. That's a different passage. We'll get into that in a bit. But was designed by God. All of creation, all all of of, uh, eternity, all of the universe, everything that exists should be worshiping God because God is the one who created everything. So the seraphim, even, were designed to worship God. So, what Isaiah saw maybe you have you were picturing angels with wings in kind of the customary cherubim kind of way you know Michelangelo draws the the, the, the paints the nice paintings of the angels no <laughs> Isaiah was seeing seraphim flying snakes around the throne of God that's kind of a freaky image but this is what the bible actually says so this is what Isaiah saw The other uh, uses of this word seraphim in the Bible, for some reason, in the other parts of the Bible where this same exact word is used, it is translated as fiery serpent. So I don't know. I'm not a Bible translator, have a lot of respect for people who do that. But I'm just picking up on something here that when I go to my concordance and I look up the the meaning of this word, that sometimes it is fully translated as a fiery serpent in a story where we can digest that. But other times it's just left as seraphim because, you know, we want to picture nice angels around the throne of God and not flying snakes. Okay. So in Numbers 21, uh, the Lord This is when the people of Israel, you know, as they did quite a bit in the wilderness, they're grumbling and complaining. This is in the 40th year, right before they're about to go into the promised land. And they're like, ah, what are we doing here? We're sick of this manna. And so God sent fiery serpents. God sent seraphim among the people. And they bit the people so that many of the people died. And then this is when the Lord said to Moses, You make a seraphim and lift it up on a pole. And we talked about that before because Jesus, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he said he referenced this story. Just like Moses lifted up the serpent on the pole, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. But this is a biblical use of the word seraphim, fiery serpent. And then later, when in Moses in the the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8 when Moses is talking about the wilderness and kind of doing a recap like hey remember how the wilderness was really hard and God tested you and he you know showed you that you're not going to live just by bread in your belly but you're going to live by the word of God in that same sequence and passage in Deuteronomy 8 God's Moses says to the people of Israel that God led them through the wilderness, the terrifying wilderness, with its fiery serpents, with its seraphim. Seraphim were in the wilderness, and it goes on to say, and scorpions. So seraphim, serpents, and scorpions, a thirsty ground where there was no water. These are the other examples. So I'm not just making this up. You can do your homework in the Bible for yourself. A seraphim is a fiery serpent, and it originally, in the heavenlies, had water wings. Okay, so we're into point two. Satan rebelled against God. This is before the world was created, before God brought order out of chaos. So these passages, and I I understand that not everyone agrees that these passages are a reference to the fall of Satan. Um, And you know what, when you're really a Bible student and you love the Word of God, you, you understand that there are things that you can lock into and you believe that they're they're true and then God shows you something somewhere else he shows you something subtle and your mind begins to change and and you use the knowledge that God has given you so far and then God just increases or expands that or enlarges that to to see something else and so if this is something that you haven't seen before just you know work with me Let, listen to what I'm presenting through these passages um, if you don't believe that these passages are about the all of Satan. I'm not going to hold it against you. I'm not going to argue with you. It's just something that kind of gives us um, a pattern of those in rebellion against God. And these passages also very clearly have Eden uh, references, Eden imagery, imagery from the Garden of Eden. So we're going to take a look at Ezekiel 28, which is actually a lamentation about the prince of Tyre, or Tyre, depending on how you want to say that, um, and Isaiah 14, which is actually a lamentation for the king of Babylon. However, both of these include Eden language Eden imagery. Uh so in Ezekiel 28 it, it will start with verse 13 it says you were in Eden, the garden of God. Now here's where you know the prince of Tyre or Tir uh was never in Eden. You know this is in Ezekiel. This is already when the people of Israel are in exile. Ezekiel was in exile with them. So he's talking to a current prince and saying that you were in Eden. So we're 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 kind of crossing these lines of are we talking about a human? Are we talking about a spiritual power? Are we ta- what are we talking about? Satan himself. This is why there's uh, speculation and debate about these passages. So you were in Eden, the Garden of God, and he goes on to list every precious stone. And if you look into it, very fascinating. The the stones, the precious stones that are in the Garden of Eden. You can go into Genesis one and two. And the precious stones that are in the New Jerusalem, you can go into Revelation 20, 21, 22, the stones are the same. And so this is the description of those stones. Uh, And crafted in gold were your settings and your engravings. Now, settings and engravings translates into timbrels and tambourines and flutes. Again, they're sometimes different words translate in different ways. But this is part of the argument for why Satan originally, Lucifer originally, originally was a, a worshiper well, a worshiper so he's in the garden of eden with tambourines and flutes and and this is his way of worshiping god um on the day that you were created they were prepared you were an anointed guardian cherub So here here we go. We see that this is a spiritual being. You are an anointed guardian cherub. I placed you. You were on the holy mountain of God in the midst of the stones of fire. You walked. You were blameless in your ways from the day that you were created. So God always does things perfectly. God always creates things that are good. God didn't create something evil. God created something good. You even the evil one, even Lucifer, even the one who became Satan, the adversary of God, was created and originally was blameless in his ways from the day that he was created until, we're still in verse 15, unrighteousness was found in you. In the abundance of your trade, You were filled with violence in your midst, and you sinned so that I cast you as a profane thing from the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O guardian cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Okay, there's so much there. In the abundance of your trade. Now, this is one argument that I can jump on all day long for why it's really, really dangerous to turn the house of God into a marketplace. See, there there was a world in which this being was conducting business, trading, trading with honest weights and scales until the trading became so much that the abundance of trade turned something in the heart, and all of a sudden, he was filled with violence. He was filled with unrighteousness that was not there previously, and that that unrighteousness caused sin. And then that sin caused uh, expulsion from the mountain of God, even from a cherubim, even from one that was created and had worshiped God in the very presence of God. Verse 17, your heart was proud because of your beauty and you corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. Wow. Okay. So trade and abundance cause them to be self-exalting for the sake of your own splendor, for the sake of your own glory, rather than giving God glory and pointing to the beauty of God and the excellence of God and the splendor of God. Instead, you corrupt your wisdom and you are filled with violence. You're filled with unrighteousness and and things start to get distorted because now you're glorifying yourself instead of giving glory to God. But therefore, I cast you to the ground, exposed you before kings to let their eyes feast on you. So due to pride, rebellion, wickedness, and violence, the adversary was cast out of God's very presence. And so now we're into Isaiah 14. Again, this is in context, a passage about the king of Babylon, but it says, how you are fallen from heaven. O day star, son of the dawn, how you are cut down to the ground, you who laid nations low. So again, you know, the king of Babylon, was he in heaven? Or are we talking to a spiritual being here? So, the king of Babylon, or this could be imagery for the evil one, Lucifer, Satan, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven above the stars of God. I will set my throne on high. I will sit on the mount of the assembly in the far reaches of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will make myself like the most high. Okay, you see this. The self-exaltation rather than the exaltation of God. And then verse 15, but you are brought down to Sheol, to the far reaches of the pit. So again, due to self-exaltation, the the enemy, the who was not designed to be the enemy, the enemy was designed to be the chief worshipper, but the chief worshipper decided that he wanted worship for himself. And therefore, he was cast out. Cast "...cast out of the place of the author of life, cast down into the place of the dead. He was cast out of the heavens and cast down to the earth." And this is where the story of creation, according to the Bible, actually begins. So this happens between Genesis 1 verse 1 and Genesis 1 verse 2. So now that Satan has been cast out as the adversary, so Satan just means adversary, but what was created to be blameless has now proven itself to be an enemy of God and is cast out of heaven, out of God's dwelling place, down to the earth. And now it says, verse 2, you, this will be familiar to you. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So the earth, there was no order on earth. It was chaos. It was darkness. It was not light. It was not good. Waters in the Bible represent chaos and danger and violence and even death. So if you think of the mindset of an ancient person, an ancient person looking at from the land out into the deep of the sea, they know that those waters are a dangerous thing right the waters biblically represent that danger that chaos that violent anything that is un- unreliable it's shakeable it's transitory and literally the word for waters that is right there in Genesis 1 verse 2 the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters Uh, The word for waters is the same word that's used for wastewater or urine. So like when you pass water, it's you're passing urine. This is wastewater. It's wastewater from the body. And it's also would be the term that would be used if you had washed your feet. So when you've washed your feet in a bucket and all the dirt that was on your feet is now in the water of the bucket, this is the word for that kind of water. It is dirty water. It is gross it is foul, it contains everything yucky and evil and disgusting. The Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now, who has just been cast down into the waters? The enemy of God. So do you see it? The the evil one is there before God begins to create order Out of chaos, and for you Bible geeks out there, Bible students out there, you can see comparable language to um, what is described here—the the the formless and the void and the darkness—and in uh, Jeremiah chapter four when Jeremiah is having a vision and even prophesying about the coming destruction of Jerusalem, he uses this same language to describe that the city was without form and void. It was dark. It was chaos, okay? So a city that has been rejected by God. Now, the city was rejected because of the people's sin by the days of Jeremiah, but the city was demolished and destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar and the empire of Babylon. And And so Jeremiah describes the destroyed city. He has a vision of the city destroyed in Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 23 to 27. You can look that up on your own time, but this gives you an idea of the beginning of the powers that are in the world.